Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. All right, so welcome back to Multifamily Live. Super excited for today's guest, Brad St. Ange. Hey, Brad, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Jason? Doing awesome, man. So Brad started working in the mortgage industry on wholesale side in 2003 after graduating from Central Michigan University, focused primarily on residential lending for the first few years, had a passion for learning and more about commercial lending side. And when his company started to dabble in small commercial lending, he was one of the few account executives that had the opportunity to sell multifamily loans. However, this was right around the time of the financial crisis and the company would soon succumb to the national crisis. He found himself having to pivot from lending industry and landing a role in in freight sales at Yellow Freight, which we or Yellow Corporation, which we actually talked about in our recent visit together, because I back in college worked at Yellow Freight. The industry too was hit hard by the financial crisis, and Yellow merged with one of its biggest competitors, Roadway, to combine resources and make it through these tough times. And after the merger, the new company YRC found the double sales force and surplus of terminals and his position and terminal were, of course, uh, eliminated. He eventually found his way to the banking industry and was the experience that landed him a job running an investor relations department for a real estate private equity firm. At this firm, he would meet the founders of startup investment management platform located in Detroit, Michigan called InvestNext. The relationship he built with the founders, Kevin, Michael, and Matthew, would lead him to develop a passion for helping build a product that would help syndicators more effectively manage their investor base, run minor back office, accounting and ease the process of capital raise. And now, of course, for the conversation today, he's head of partnerships with InvestNext, where he's worked with clients and growth team in order to continually add features and increase visibilities of the InvestNext brands. And in all clarity, we work with InvestNext. It's an awesome platform. Brad, welcome to the show, man. And, you know, again, these parts where you, you just, your story is awesome, right? So it's one of these things yeah. where you, you just got to keep forging forward. I think you, you, you joked that your brother would say you were um, like the Titanic, right? Every, everywhere you went, like uh, it, it was, it was crashing around you. And that's like a lot with experiences of life, but then you find yourself in this new role with InvestNext, which is a, just a, a fantastic company. Um, what was it that stood out with InvestNext where you said, let me leave this job with, that you were working with um, from the real estate private equity firm, which I think you said was a great company to hear what was that that led you to that transition? Yeah, when, once I met uh, Michael, Matthew and, and Kevin, I we we were essentially their third client uh, that, that, that started with InvestNext. So we, I would give them suggestions of things that I'd like to see on the platform as I was raising capital because we were using spreadsheets that wasn't very effective. So mm-hmm. I had some ideas and they, they'd come back with me with, with some ideas from their other clients as they started to grow. And I just found myself getting more interested in trying to work with them to help create this better product versus talk to my investors to try to get a capital. So it just got to a point where I would find myself at night thinking, wow, this would be cool. This feature would be cool. This would be cool. And then we'd talk back and forth. So Kevin always had the door open where if I had any ideas just to, you know, ping him, we'll hop on a call and kind of go over some things. And, and that just got me, I fell in love with, with more. So helping other syndicators, other investor relations department help grow their business. And, and that was through the software platform. So it was, it, it got to a point where I had to decide, did I want to do this? They were finally starting to grow. I'd be essentially the first employee. 
Um, and it was, it was a no brainer, had to take a, a little bit of a pay cut, but I think I'm, I, I kind of think of myself as the sweat equity man where I, I have no problem earning, earning business or trying to earn equity versus contributing equity. Cause it seemed like everything I was doing, I was losing money. So, uh, went that route in, in, I think I created enough value to where I, you know, started to finally become a shareholder with the company. Uh, and it's just been fantastic ever since it's just, we're continually growing continuing to hear uh, from our clients such as yourself, just, just ways to make the platform better. And it was just something I immediately fell in love with after, um, after kind of diving into, into that side of the, the business. So let me change that question around for yeah. the company that you priorly worked for. Why did you guys choose Investnex at that time? Right. Cause you, there was a new company, right. And so you said there was a, one of the, the third companies come on with a, some other um, softwares out there that would part. What is it that maybe, stood out to the company you're working with that said oh, invest next is the way to go well we were we were using another platform but it just couldn't do some of the things that we needed and the speed to adapt wasn't there so if i had some you know if we had something that an investor needed to see or really wanted to see it would i mean it'd be like say right now may 4th i'd, I'd get a call that all right you know we can probably have that in q1 2022 Wow. And you're just like, wow, that's a long time to kind of edit and change. So we we interviewed Investnext. They were a couple guys down the road. I was in Ann Arbor at the time, and they're down in down in Detroit. So they came into the office and, and met the guys, and you know, a couple couple younger guys. But we we really felt drawn to them, and, and it seemed like they were listening to us, which is one of the one of the big things. Is it they weren't telling us what to do; they were actively listening and, and willing to adapt and edit and make whatever changes they could feasibly um and in a certain amount of time to to make it better so we just we were still a little concerned like you said that you know we're the third we're migrating all this data at the time we had a fund that was 30 some properties in it so we're, we're moving all of that data that started in 2012 or now 2017 or something like that um a ton of historical distributional data we're like you know is this company going to be around uh and they, you know, we were like, oh, let's, let's try it and see how it goes. And now it's just, it's been, it was, it was awesome. It was a great move for us. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was cool to see, and it's cool to see the growth and kind of be not a founder there, but at, at the infancy stages of it. it's almost like I'm a stepfather. So you still kind of get some pride in the company, you know, as you yeah, just that's seen awesome. it grow. So yeah. what, what are some of the main reasons that investors find Investnext and want to come on board, right? So, so what are some of the pain points we're saying, okay, thank God, and here's Investnext. What, what do you usually hear that that's the timing or, or reasons based on their current operation that, that really sets them into motion to want to find Investnext? Uh, there's, I think there's a few different clients that, that that sits with. So there's the bigger institutionals that, that we deal with, and they're just paying too much money. So they're using uh, a, a competitor that may be charging a lot more than we are, and we still offer pretty much everything that, that the other competitors, sometimes more, sometimes, sometimes less, but in the grand scheme of things, we're offering everything that most of our competitors are offering. So, uh, so there's time, and then there's functionality of it as well. But we'll see from those bigger ones that some of the backend stuff that we think is pretty, pretty, I, I guess, general, and that most should have it, it just simple as paying distributions through the portal using ACH. Some of our competitors don't do that. Um, I'm not saying all of them don't, but we found that some of the bigger ones actually don't do that. So it's streamlined their process and their backend accounting to where they didn't have to 
run the distributions, run it in Excel outside of their portal that they were using, and then take that information to the bank. It just streamlined that. And we also see it another group, which is those startups. So those, those GPs, syndicators who haven't done a deal yet or have maybe one or two deals, they've been using spreadsheets to kind of calculate everything, to track their investors, to they've been using email to send out their their documents such as the questionnaire, the subscription agreement, everything you need to sign. And just in that process is just such a painful process when you're doing it your first couple of times. And then after you do it once, you're probably like, I need to find something that's gonna make this deal, this capital raising fundraising process a little bit smoother, a little bit easier on my team and not not have to track down all the documents because this you basically are so close to the money you need to get it when you're capital raising and just tracking down signatures for executed documents and all that is just not fun and not something you really want to do. So it, it helps. I think it helps a, a couple different aspects and different clients along the cycle. But it's, it's really it's, nice to have that central hub, right? Because you can, instead of you in the email world where everybody's having to go back and forth, you're trying to track down their emails. Did they send a subscription agreement? Was it right? You know, it's really nice to have Investnext or as a portal where everything is centralized, right? So you can send all of your investors there if they need everything for the documents. It's not even for like putting in tax documents, right? They can all have a central hub where they can go there and find all the resources and everything can be one step. So it gives you a more, a, a much more professional outlook than if you're using your Gmail or using a you know a company email and you're sending everything back and forth to them ten different times and you're having this track of emails that you're trying to figure out where that was right so it helps not only on our sides but from the investor standpoint it's a lot easier for them because every time they need something you know say they can't um, remember you know something of that of, about the deal or whatever they can go right to the portal and see everything about the investment um, summary everything about you know all the data all the metrics right there in the portal instead of having to get, hit us with a question. So within three seconds, they're back onto what they want to do. And that was one of the reasons when I was in the investor relations that, that we really needed something was people or our investors were looking for basic information. How, how much money do I have invested? It's crazy. I mean, they'll throw a hundred grand, hundred grand, 50 grand, 75, and not know how much they've invested with you or how much is still left in that capital account versus how much return of capital they've been paid. And then you get into the metrics and they don't know how much money they'd have to go through all their bank statements for the last five years and yep. find out how much of the returns are and then try to figure out their cash on cash. And that's not what you want them to do. You know, the system should be telling them that versus whenever we'd get a question like that, we'd, we'd think, Oh shoot, now we got to do some homework and come up with a fake spread, you know, a fake statement for these for these individuals and send it to them and then hope our calculations are working so it, it helps in, in that aspect too and you mentioned the documents and in making sure that there's no errors there's there's nothing more i guess stressful maybe than you finally get an investor to send you the documents through email but at that time they're just randomly filling it out they don't they've never filled these documents out so they're filling it out incorrect They've sent you a check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now you're going back and saying, "Hey, uh, you you kind of messed the way, up the questionnaire section." Twenty five. Yeah, you missed. Yeah, uh, yeah, could you could you fill this out? And that's just an awkward conversation. So having having a deal room where you've got these templates already in there, you're forcing them based off their selection to to fill out the the correct spots, and that's that saves time and going back and forth and the awkward conversation of you know I don't want to call this person. They're giving us a ton of money, but um, but you should call them, you know, in the past, you should call them and make sure it's correct. That way, if SEC comes knocking, you're compliant. So helps in that aspect as well. I found that no matter how I did it before we moved on to the portal was that 
you know, you send it with email, you, 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 you highlight it, you, you go and try and do it through DocuSign. You you'd send them every little part in the email um, where they need to sign, where they don't need to sign. There was always something missed, right? No matter, no matter, the, the more you tried to make it obvious that it just was, you can never find that streamlined process. And that's what you want. You want it to be streamlined, especially as you go and become a larger and larger company. You want to have things that are growing with you, right? So for, for InvestNext, in terms of really the, the approach for investors. Now, when the investors are in um, our portal, it, when we have a new offering, right, we can put it right in there and they can, it can best just go right out to any of the investors want to put into it instead of having something or they can see when new offerings are live, right? So those are some of the great things about giving yourself that centralized platform because you don't have to get the summary and then send it out to all your investors that have your list of investors and have 10 different platforms working, right? Because that's where you want to bring it in because then you can get back to focusing on properties. Um, for the, the, the companies that, that have been doing it, um, is there any difference between ones that are running a fund, running a syndication? Is there any um, difference in, in the process? Uh, not, not really. There's, there's a little bit of differences and tweaks. If you've got a fund, typically you're raising it in a, a, a project and then you're purchasing. So in one project, and then you're purchasing sometimes properties with that cash. Sometimes the whole fund is purchasing it. So then you can just create another project and have, you know, ABC fund as the, the one investor in the project. And then you could separate the distributions it, it, it depends how they have it set up. There's a, there's a lot of different ways we've seen them. Some it's all encompassed in one fund and they have a bunch of different capital raises. So we have someone who has up to class N capital raises. Uh, so you can create a bunch of different deal rooms and you don't have to change that, that main summary page of the project. So it's got your overall goals of the fund. And then as, as these classes or new capital raises that you bring to the table, you can then create a separate deal room for those and it's not changing what the, the overall goal of the, of the fund is, but there's a ton of different ways. And that's what's great about this business is I've, you know, I've come into it from, from one side and learning from how one syndicator GP does it thinking I know everything and then you get in, you're like, wow, this is crazy with what this REIT company is doing or this debt company is doing. Uh, some of the, the distributions that we've seen, the waterfalls are, are, are pretty cool to see. I like seeing some of the, the differences. I always think it's good to have something simple and basic that your investors can understand, not get too, too involved in it or have too many different hurdles. But it's always cool for me to see some of the, the ones in, in, the, in the past of all these different crazy hurdles and how our system can adapt to all of them is, is, is pretty awesome too. Or if it's not, we'll just create a, a hurdle that does fit and it's, I, I love that aspect when we don't have that hurdle, because then we can just, it's something else that someone else probably needed, but maybe didn't ask about it. So we can just add that in too. So it's, it's always without, cool so without naming names. Can you give us an example of a pretty out there uh, uh, structure that you've seen? It usually involves when there's two, um, let's see, there's two projects. So basically two big companies will come in and purchase uh, a property and then one, one will bring in maybe half of half of the equity. And then, then the, the GP actually will have his own equity and he'll have managers off of, off of the equity side. So like GP portions of it, and then he'll have his LP portions of it off of there. So as you're paying back the, the 50% of it that goes to the manager side with all the LPs and GPs get paid and they have a crazy, I've had some crazy structures where the IRR is like 14.23%. 
And then uh, the next hurdle is 17 point. And it's just random, random oh. numbers that come from all the way back. So then you're paying all of these LPs, their, their pref, but then at the same time, you're, you're paying that other side from the main, from the other 50% that maybe a big um, institutional investment firm came in. So you're paying them and then you're paying this side. So we've had to set up two different projects for that. It's kind of a, it's an unusual uh, and every time we, we get added new projects for them, it's always, it's always something crazy, but I, it's, it's, it's hurts my head. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't want to think anymore about yeah. math, but it's awesome because it, it really pushes the boundaries of some of the stuff we do. And we go through and once we get done with it, it's, it's, it feels like it's time for a beer. It's like the end of the day. I'm like, all right, that's, <laughs> you know, this is, this is good, but it's, it's cool when it all works out, but it's like, like I said, their, their hurdles are pretty, pretty interesting and it's not simple, but it's just, I mean, the cash flow comes and then, gets divided by a couple of different ways and it works its way back up to the top and then distribute it back down. Um, so, so like essential waterfalls. Huh? We get that question from investors a lot. is like how to structure a deal. And, the, and the, the thing is you can structure it any way you want. You can structure it a million different ways as long as it's going to work for you and your investors. Right. So there's no one way or one cut from the cloth to say, this is how it has to be done. Just like you have in that narrative too. You see a lot of common structures, but there's so many times where you can just do it in so many creative or inventive ways that can benefit the deal, benefit you, benefit the team, benefit the investors. Yeah. In the, in the debt, some of the debt pieces that, that we do, those are some crazy ones too, because you'll have reinvestment where they can reinvest some of those distributions that they're getting. So building out, having a waterfall for that or, or, or the option to, to use the reinvestment that gets pretty, pretty crazy too. So some of the debt pieces are, they really test the system and make it even better than it is. So we, we, we love bringing on new debt. It's, it's, it's pretty cool to see that too. So, so that's what, something we've seen a lot more uh, recently, actually too. Interesting. And what, what have you found are some of the most desired features that you guys have put into to action um, in the last year or last six months? I'd say inbound ACH inbound payments is the newest. And that's, that's one that's kind of garnering a little bit of, um, of chatter from, from our investors, which is essentially you, you send out the deal room link to all your investors, like you were saying earlier. So you have all these templated uh, hella signed documents in there so they can sign it. They can, or they can view the deal room, execute all the documents. And then now they can link up through, through an integration. They can link up to their chase account right there after signing the, the executing the documents. And then they can ACH their money to you right there. So they don't have to go to the bank to do it. Um, it just creates almost like a one-stop shop where you're just doing that and not having to leave the portal at all, which is, which is awesome. We're, we're very proud of that. Our development was, it was pretty spot on there. So Matthew and Michael is awesome. What you guys are kind of running, running the team on that one. And so um, we just, as the operators link our account to the backside right there and did it all, all links through there. Is that. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, whatever bank account that you're accepting those funds from uh, you would, that, that's exactly it. So you'd link that up prior. And then once the investors start going through those documents, they can just link up their, they're Wells Fargo, Chase. There's there's 150 wow. some banks. You know, there's some of the smaller maybe credit unions, but you probably still have to do uh, through through wire at their local bank. But it, it gets a majority of them. So uh, and, and the best part is, you're not reconciling those at the banks. You're not going to the bank and you got 1.2 million dollars that day and trying to wait to see where each one of those falls in, into the into the spot. Yeah, or if I invested as an LLC, yeah. you're now trying you're in or if I invested as an individual and sent my money as an LLC, you have no idea that Brad St. Ange was uh, Vasari Enterprises LLC or something. So you'd never know to reconcile. Then you'd have to, to eventually maybe 
by process of elimination think, well, this is 50 grand where, where we don't know what goes to Brad St. Ange put 50 grand in, but are you going to call me then and ask me, Hey, did you, did you send us 50 grand from just kind of eliminates those awkward conversations. So the system would then market. So the system would know I sent it from whatever, whatever Avenue I sent it from, and it would market as funds received. So it's, it's great too, if you're doing a prep, because it'll start uh, marking that prep date as the funds received date and you don't have to do anything. It just kind of it tracks that for you. See, that's cool. Cause even from our side, it's the same thing too. If an investor asks, Hey, have you received our funds and we have, you know, 10 different or four different $50,000 investments in there, they're all pending, right? We don't know exactly who's, who's in line of whose funds are coming in. So we're, we're waiting for them to clear to say, okay, yes, your funds have arrived before saying back, you know, did, when did you send it? Right. So for, it goes yeah. both ways. It's really helpful for us. Cause if you can track each piece together and just see it, and it's another reason where you get everything centralized, right? I think that was one of the few components I can think of really probably that I'd have to jump off the portal for so now you can have everybody just stay in that portal and they can just keep rolling through that's fantastic yeah and then you'd have to go back and market um as the funds received and all that and just you just human error just maybe forgot to do it and it's yeah. delayed a day or two so the investor logs in and doesn't see that on their on their portal or you know you know obviously they're sending you money that they've worked hard for they'll want to at least see it feel it touch it and log into the portal and look at it and just to see it you know i, I think they feel comfort with that and that's why we everyone logs into their bank accounts all the time, just kind of make sure the money's there. You know, what's what's next for uh, Invest Next? Where do you guys go from here? We've got uh, a bunch of different things we're working on. Uh, that the next one's going to be Investor Portal 2.0, which is essentially when the investors log in, it's going to have a new look, a new feel, and that should be this quarter. It should get done, and we're excited about that because it'll. It's just it's just a little more modern, a little more up-to-date on Andre from our design, you know, head of design has done a fantastic job just building this thing. Every time I look at it, I get, we get excited about it. It's, it's, um, it's like looking at a pretty girl, you know, you look at this investor portal 2.0, not that we're ashamed of it, uh, where it is now investor portal, but it just, there's a lot of functionality that this kind of, th this takes care of just, just throws capital raises in your face, throws updates in your face, documents, um, it's, it's kind of harder for an investor to log in and say, where is that? Cause it's pretty much slapping them in the face. There's still going to be some, some people that are, uh, that may miss it, but, uh, but that happens, that happens with everything. So we're, we're very excited about that and then have a few other just feed, you know, feedback items from our clients that we're trying to implement. And then a couple, uh, crazy things down the line that we're always, we're always looking to do. And we never release those till we actually release them. Um, but uh, there's a bunch of things that we're just continually working on. Kevin and Michael and Matthew are always thinking of crazy stuff. Plus uh, you know, our clients like you, uh, you're always giving feedback, which we appreciate. So as long as we keep hearing that feedback, we're going to take it and try to run with it and try to try to make the portal as, as good as we could possibly make it. And then I, I think that's a never ending process. So it's always going to continue. And a great customer service, right? And that all comes across with the platform to really just keep forward with anything you're doing in business is that you keep looking for the next ways to make it better, man. Brad, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. For everybody who wants to connect with you, learn more about InvestNext, where's the best place to send them? Uh, InvestNext.com. You can, you can schedule a demo there. You can hit me up, brad at InvestNext.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, Brad St. Ange. It's S-T period. O-N-G-E. Uh, and then if you have a question, hit me up a little slower on LinkedIn than email, but, uh, but either way, you know, follow me, I'll follow you back and, you know, we can have a conversation, maybe connect. So I appreciate you having us on, appreciate everything you, you, you and Peely do for us. Uh, it's fantastic watching what you've, what you guys have done. 
over the, you know, what have we been talking about a year? I think you and I have maybe gone a year and it's just, you're just starting to grow that thing. So it's got to keep you guys busy, watch, right? So. We got to keep yeah. you guys doing stuff over there. <laughs> you're, you're doing it for sure. And we love it. Awesome. So we really appreciate it. So th- thanks for having me on the show too. hundred percent. Well, thank you for coming on for everyone listening here. As you're going your portal, as you're going getting ready, you're looking to really just take your business to the next level. This is definitely a direction in the right step or the right step in the right direction. We'll turn that around there, but Brad, thanks so much for being on the show. We'll talk to you shortly. Yeah. See you, Jason. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi million dollar deal in just a few days? We are breaking down our entire process step by step at a three day event happening June 10th through the 12th called you guessed it, Multifamily Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.